yes, it is I, your humble host, Bill Hatch, the third, coming to you not quite so live from the palatial home studios of Bald Spots Productions here in the beautiful city of Santa Ana, California. Joining me in studio, as per usual, is my friend, my brother in Christ, the disembodied voice of Rudy. Hi, everybody. I love you all. Waka, waka, waka with the Lord. And coming to us from a more than acceptable safe social distance through the miracle of telephony is my father, Chaplain Bill Hatch. How you doing, Pop? Doing well. Good evening, my fellow Bible inquisitors. I trust you are being blessed this day and evening. Or whenever you happen to be listening. <laughs> That's true. And uh, cool. So, uh, so we're prepared for a lot of psalms tonight. Uh, although, uh, although we do have a pretty long one, so that may uh, that may stop us in our tracks. But uh, before we get to all this great uh, psalmic material, I think we have time for some Rudy news. Walk 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 walk. Hi everybody, I love you all. Remember, I was listening to uh, Pastor MacArthur, and he was talking about Gideon. And it was funny because he was saying the guy was a coward. He was scared, but yet he uh, defeated the army. First they had, I think it was 30,000 people. And then he, he said, uh, God said, drop it down because uh, I want you to show that I defeated the army instead of uh, man. Amalekites, right? Yeah, I did. I don't know the name. But so uh, what happened was, he ended up doing what God said, and then he became a hero. And then he, uh, people, he, when he was alive, he was calm when he was alive. So, and then he was talking about another one about, about, uh, what's that, uh, Samson. Yeah. And Samson, he had all the power, he had all kinds of stuff that was blessed by God, and he was doing everything bad. So, what it was, was the guy that was, uh, the strong one ended up taking everything for granted, and the guy that was weak and scared, he followed God and became uh, a great person, a warrior. So remember, wherever we're at in life, God, uh, we think we're weak, God has us strong. And we, when we think we're too strong, we become weak because it's not us. We should not put everything in us. We should put everything in the God's word that he tells us to do what we're supposed to do. So remember... No matter if you're weak or strong, if God has a plan for you, it's going to come out the way you're supposed to, supposed to be. I love you all. Waka, waka, waka with the Lord. Indeed. Amen. The individuals that Rudy was referring to can be found in the book of Judges. Yep. The first individual was Gideon, uh, who indeed had to keep Gideon reassured as he went up against an army of 110,000, and he had an army of 300, and the 300 had in their possessions a torch, a water, and a sword. And they literally conquered the enemy with those items because they lit the torches but put it on the pitcher up on the top of it so it wouldn't shine brightly ahead of time. And they went uh, in the hills around the valley where the enemy were. And on Gideon's signal, they all broke the pitchers with their spear handles, causing an echoing, crashing sound all around the Amalekites. And then all those 300 torches Normally, a torch would be lit for, at most, 10 people at a time. Uh, but actually, it was by 100. Sorry, not 10. Can't remember my own numbers. So it looked like instead of 300 people, it would be 300,000 people that were in the hills around the enemy, and the enemy started killing themselves. Uh, and then, indeed, Gideon led the people as a judge. And as was properly pointed out, Samson, who was a judge for over 20 years, did not do very much against the Philistines like he could have if he had followed God's advice. 
good good stories in the book of Judges. So by all means, read them and find out even more particulars. What happened to Gideon? What happened with Gideon uh, at the end of his uh, career? Well, yeah, that's unfortunate because he didn't stay perfect all the while. None of us do, of course, and we have to realize that we stay perfect in the Lord by asking God's forgiveness regularly. But that's the end of the show, and we're at the beginning of the show. Yep. We're not flipping and the script tonight. <laughs> yep. Well, it will in a way, because we're going to start off with Psalm 10 this evening. Yes. And I have a note that I want to read pre on it. I don't know if you have any pre-notes or not, Bill. Uh, but no, I don't. Psalm 9, which we did last week. So Psalm 10, where Psalm 9 announces that God at times protects and delivers his people from affliction uh, that bring them close to death. Psalm 10 indicates that God may not necessarily enact that deliverance quickly. He may allow the enemies of his people to inflict terrifying suffering over them over long periods of time which happened over and over again in the judges. So it does sort of follow along with the example for Ruth that Rudy had. Uh, God does allow people to suffer through things when he's trying to get people to get on the right path. We see that. And God causes the rain to fall on the just and the unjust. He doesn't just punish the wicked. Uh, he does deliver his people, though, and he does not deliver the wicked. In Psalm 10, which we are in, I especially like the way verse 4 reads for us in the year 2022. It says, in all his scheming, the wicked person arrogantly thinks there's no accountability since there's no God. And we see that with people all the time. Back in the 60s and 70s, they started saying God is dead. God isn't dead. He does take time. Uh, his timeline is much different than ours. But the arrogant and the wicked literally think there is no God. And of course, we who are faithful know better. And we can't explain all of God's timelines, but that one verse just reeks of what's happening now. So many people think that there is no God and there's no accountability that they can get away with everything. We as Christians should not take that approach ever. We need to maintain our faith that there is a God in heaven who is watching over us regularly. Do you have anything special on those that fourth verse, Bill? Uh, well, um, she, uh, yeah, they, uh, the Amplified uh, adds in punish, no punishment to your no accountability. They uh, think which, that, okay. Right, that they think that there is no punishment. Yeah, which is, uh, which is very much true. Even many people yeah. who believe in God don't believe in hell. Mm-hmm. So, uh, yeah, they do. Yeah. This psalm overall is, even though it doesn't have David's name on it, it certainly does sound like it should be. And it's a call for God's justice. And we are allowed to call for that same kind of justice, no matter what. But for the most part, uh, it's on the negative side throughout the majority of this psalm, uh, at least through verse 11, it's referring to the wicked and how they're adjusting. But if you would, I'll read the last three verses of Psalm 11 so we can get the right and true story. The Lord is king forever and ever. The nations will perish from his land. O Lord, you have heard the desire of the humble and oppressed. You will strengthen their heart. You will incline your ear to hear. 
to vindicate and obtain justice for the fatherless and the oppressed, so that man who is of the earth will no longer terrify them. When we see phrases like the humble uh, and, let's see, what was it? You have heard the oppressed. desires of the humble and the oppressed. Mm -hmm does not necessarily mean what we think in our minds, mostly from Hollywood, okay? We're really talking about some people who can be very strong in physical character, and yet they can be humble, and they can be oppressed. It always amazes me, but it's really quite true that throughout history, there have been many good, strong people who have been oppressed and in slavery, and yet they are humbled to a point of saying they will not take the same actions as their taskmasters will uh, and rise up in revolt even. But I just wanted to reassure folks that yeah. no matter humility what is you... Not a, it, it, humility is not the quality of the weak. Correct. You know, it, it takes quite a bit of strength to be humble. To be truly humble. Yeah. And Moses was one of those examples from the Bible. He was called humble and meek, even the meekest person in the world at the time. And he still was able to kill an Egyptian uh, taskmaster when he was 40 years of old. But still that kind of attitude. Uh, and certainly his attitude coming down the mountain and finding that golden calf that Aaron had made, that was not anybody who was meek by any means. Uh, and so we need to realize that some of these descriptions might think, well, that's other people. I'm working hard every day and I'm doing the work that God has led me to do and still I'm not being very uh, successful at things and my enemies seem to be triumphing over us. The uh, wicked in the world are just doing a superior job right now of doing terrible things. See, I said superior, not good job, because it's not good at all. But it certainly seems like they keep getting away with things that we wish God would punish immediately. And it just doesn't happen that way according to God's timing but it will be vindicated because we're told that in these scriptures. you have anything else you'd like to talk on in number 10, Bill? No, no, I think that's, uh, I think that's about it. Okay. Uh, let's see. The notes I have that uh, the psalmist for 9 and 10 do draw the same conclusion. God rules over the wicked and the righteous alike. He deeply cares about the suffering of the people and ultimately mercifully overcomes their problems. And it's praise the Lord that we know that things will work out to the good of God and his, his kingdom. And we want to be ever patient as we're waiting for that, taking the right steps to stand for things as we can and uh actually got to use that example recently on a uh on a weekend and it had to do with attending church on sunday or not i admit there are sundays when i will not go to church i just don't get up for it in time i don't feel up to doing it and so i do not always attend on sundays I would like to think I attend more often than not, but recently someone asked me to do something else during church time, to schedule something else. And I said, no, I have to call, I have to draw the line in the sand on that one. I just cannot bring myself to schedule anything else during church time, uh, even though there are times when I just don't feel up to going to church on Sundays. I'm not going to intentionally schedule something else during that time. Uh, we all need to make those kinds of decisions in our lives. And being able to say, I can do this or I absolutely will not do this. 
I will certainly never try again before when I was younger. I might have used the blaspheme the name of the Lord, but I've never intentionally done it now for, oh, 50, 60 years. It's been a long time. Uh, so I won't go that far back. I'll, I'll just say much earlier in my adult life. Uh, we have to have those kinds of decisions. We have to be able to say that I wait upon the Lord, even though I wish I could hurry him up. And we've seen people throughout history who've tried to hurry God along. The most famous one would have been Judas Iscariot himself, trying to hurry Jesus into being the uh, Messiah that would be the conquering hero over Rome. And others have done that kind of thing ever since. All right. Psalm 11. Refuge in the Lord. And it says a Psalm of David on mine. Do you have anything uh, for the scripture on uh, to, Psalm 11? To the chief musician, a Psalm of David. Okay. Uh, I have verses six and seven in particular. Would you read those two for sure. us? Upon the wicked, he will rain coals of fire. Fire and brimstone and a dreadful scorching wind will be the portion of their cup of doom. For the Lord is absolutely righteous. He loves righteousness, and the upright shall see his face. Thank you. Uh, I do have a note uh, that describes what brimstone is, that it's burning sulfur, and uh, which smells really bad, as I understand it, mm -hmm. and, uh, uh, and is really, really hot. I uh, was watching a uh, was watching a YouTube video the other day uh, about uh, people searching for the uh, the biblical cities of Sodom and Gomorrah, and that in the place where they think they found Gomorrah, uh, there are these little balls of sulfur, and uh, and they were burning them, and one of the guys touched it really quickly, and it blistered his finger. Mm. So probably not the smartest thing he could have done, but uh, definitely a, a nice. Uh, example of how uh, of how hot it is when uh, when you hear about sulfur and burning sulfur and, and brimstone and stuff mm -hmm. in the bible because that comes up every every now and again sure these two verses uh, psalm 11 verses 6 and 7 may depict eternal judgment suffering uh the fire of hell or enjoying the face of God in heaven. I would much prefer to be uh, seeing the face of God in heaven for sure. Yeah, yeah, I, I think um, I would too. You know, what else can we say? It's we take refuge in the Lord. What would you rather be doing? Suffering the torments of hell or enjoying heaven? Let me have heaven Anytime, yep. <laughs> comparatively. I like to reflect regularly on the parable of Jesus uh, referring to the Lazarus, the poor man, and the rich man. Uh, and in that particular parable, I think Jesus gives us a true insight that people in hell, one of their punishments is going to be that they are going to be able to see other people up in heaven. They won't be able to get there. That's pretty well claimed by that uh, parable. But I think that would be one of the tortures of hell, not just suffering and all that agony, but also seeing the good things that are in heaven, uh, especially their enemies and maybe even some loved ones who didn't follow the example that they set. Let's move on to Psalm 12. Okay. I have oppression by the wicked for the choir director, according to Shemeth, the Psalm of David. I have again, Shemeth. I have Go God, ahead. a helper against the treacherous. 
to the chief musician, set an octave below a psalm of David. Yeah, we don't know below what, folks, right. but it's because that's part of the unknown reference um, it, in the In songs. the footnote, it says it, it could be on the eight-stringed lyre, and that the meaning is uncertain. Okay. It's uncertain, and that indeed could be it. And not being musical, I'm not going to say which is an octave, you know, what an octave lower might be a reference to. <clears throat> but Psalm 12 is a psalm about words, the deceitful, destructive words of the godless. Okay? Uh, if you have no fear or belief in a God, you don't really care about any of those things of respect. And it's just putting people down in ways that they do not, not just appreciate, but they just don't follow. Uh, if you start cursing and belittling someone's religion, uh, you will be in, you know, you'll cause them to be in a bad state, but hopefully it'll all catch up and you'll stop that. Uh, years ago, it was uh, in polite society. There are three things you do not talk about. God, religion, and politics. Well, we've seen some of that go by the wayside, to say the least. Uh, somehow I have a feeling I messed up those three. Well, I know Let's it's religion and politics. Deep. Say again? I know it's religion and politics. I always uh, thought it was two, but I could be. I believe the third one actually has to do with intimate relationships. Ah. Uh, but things that you just don't talk about in polite society. Well, now we see that all three of those are talked about so readily uh, in public, on television, in print. Uh, there's just no boundaries for what things we should be discussing when yeah. and how we should even keep it from our younger generations or not. And as far uh, as some things like politics goes, it creates huge, huge disagreements with people, creating a huge divide in the country. Yes. And I'm afraid the pendulum is swinging. It's going to go to extreme one direction or the other again. Yep. We just have to keep seeing how it's going. Uh, and as Christians, we need to stand firm in our beliefs and definitely let people know what we believe, but not by talking down their individual situations, right. uh, which does get difficult. Yes. Even in this show, because in this show, we get to points where we say, well, this is what we see about a particular other religion, not faith, but another religion. And we have to make sure we're not directing those comments to individuals themselves. We don't want to we we make any personal attacks. Correct. We do not. Uh, let's see. This is verse 6 of Psalm 12. It says, The words of the Lord are pure words, like silver refined in an earthen furnace purified seven times. And uh, that apparently was indeed uh, how often they would reheat and uh, thereby purify silver, molten silver so that the, they can keep skimming off the impurities and they go through that process seven times uh, if they are jeweler level. Uh, maybe even for coins, but I'm not too sure about that. But it goes on, you Lord will guard us, you will protect us 
from this generation forever. And I believe this generation forever is still going ongoing to each generation forever until he does come and settles up all unbelief. Uh, yeah, let's go on to Psalm 13. Bill, why don't you take the intro on this one? A prayer for help in trouble to the chief musician, a Psalm of David. Deliverance, what a, what a deal. David, who, who was was also not so confident. Uh, it starts off in this Psalm with a fourfold cry for help. Uh, and it's to the Lord. Well, it's was, how long, Lord, will you? How long will you? Yes. How, uh, it, it was, uh, you know, you speak of David's confidence, and it seems that from his youth, his confidence was in the Lord. Yep. But here we see in this particular uh, verse that even though he's confident in the Lord, and he will be in this, in this very short psalm, it's still the fact that uh, I'm not seeing it, Lord. And it's okay for us to know that it, for us to also feel, you know, as long as we're directing our concerns to God, we can ask such things. How long, Lord, will you forget me forever? Even though he's confident in him, he thinks that God's not paying attention to what David needs. How long will you hide your face from me? Now, that's metaphorical. We know that God would not let anyone see his face uh, until we got to see the face of Jesus. And we don't have a picture and we don't have a description in the Bible, darn it. I wish we did. But how long will I store up anxious concerns within me? Don't we all have those? And it even causes us agony as we look around and see things day by day. And then how long will my enemy dominate me? For David, I don't know how many enemies he's referring to. He had them pretty much throughout his lifetime. Couldn't really tell. Some of them seemed like they were back to back, if not at the same time. Uh, and yet David was the great conquering king that he was. He still had issues with people taking uh, advantage of him or trying to destroy him. Um, <clears throat> but that's the fourfoldness. And he puts it through there. Uh, let's see if I can read. David pleads for answers in verses three through six, but his life and happiness depend on what God does or does not do. And so David recognizes that still. But lo and behold, look at the last verse of Psalm 12. I will sing to Psalm the Lord. 13. I'm sorry, Psalm 13. I will sing to the Lord because he has treated me generously. I tell you, if that's God's generosity towards David, I think I don't want God to be that generous to me. Uh Truly, we have, you know, a lot of things. Some of them David brought upon himself. And some of them he could have changed, but chose not to. And it was out of a level of respect that is really difficult for us to understand in this day and age. David had been anointed king long before the death of Saul, and Saul continually tried to have him killed. And David would not take advantage of a couple situations where he could have killed Saul himself. But instead, he felt correctly that Saul was the anointed of God, and David was not going to move in on that situation to try to move his anointing position up before it was time. Yeah, we shouldn't uh, we shouldn't take uh, 
take the lead, if you will, on the timeline. Right. How true to, that uh, is. We need to follow God's timeline, and even though, uh, even though whatever it is that we want to get to move along may seem really great, like going to heaven or becoming king, that we need to wait on God, not the other way around. Yes. Psalm 14 is a portrait of sinners for the chief choir director of David. Uh, what do I have? Very little written on mine for this one. The world is filled with those who hate, no, who have little interest in God, uh, living in ways uh, displeasing to him being very evil and wicked and whatnot. Pretty good description of this psalm. Do you have anything in particular well, for One the... thing uh, I did want to um, make note of is in the Bible, quite often when you see the word fool, it's not talking about someone who's intellectually deficient. It's talking about someone who's spiritually deficient. Uh, mm -hmm. such as uh, in the very first line, the spiritually ignorant fool has said in his heart, there is no God. And, uh, uh, and so that is what, when you're reading the Bible, when you see the fool mentioned, that's what they're talking about. Excellent reminder. And we need to set ourselves apart from those who are saying, there is no God. And so in our daily walk, we may come into contact, may have to come into contact with people who do not believe in God, but it doesn't mean that we necessarily have to associate with them any further than where we start. You know, I mean, we just have to be able to say, yeah, I work with this person. He doesn't believe in God. I'm not going to associate with him any further than at times at work when we must meet, but I'm going to keep standing up for God no matter what. Maybe that person will see God in me and change. That's the way we should handle things. You know, it's, it's funny. Most of, the, uh, most of the unbelievers that I've met, even though it's claiming to be atheists, seem to not be as militant as others, as, as many people believe atheists to be. Um, they seem to be, they seem to be quite willing to listen and, uh, um, you know, hear what I have to say and are appreciative of, uh, of my attitudes toward life and how I act. And uh, uh, so it's, just because somebody says they don't believe in God doesn't mean they're not open to uh, to the call. You just have I agree with you, and that's a good point, because over the years, I have known lots of atheists who are really blasé about it. Right. It's the people who belong to false religions that carry the stronger torch and attitude that their way is right and no other way is right. And, well, we've seen what extremists will do even now, uh, saying, I'm doing this in the name of God. And it's like, really, what God are you referring to? Because in those writings, you won't find it. So, yeah, good point, Bill. Keep speaking to the atheists. We can win them. Well, God can win them. <laughs> the Holy Spirit yep. brings about conversion, yes. So that's what the portrait of sinners looks like in 14. In Psalm 15, we have a description of the godly. A Psalm of David. So Psalm 15 advances... The concept of the ideal person showing, yep, showing
showing how the godly person pleases God and successfully handles life's challenges. Uh, it is sort of an ideal psalm, the perfect individuals. So we have to be careful with that. Uh, I have, with whom does God take, like to keep company? And David's answer was, those who live with integrity, with, who avoid harming others by words or actions, and those who act as God acts towards the wicked, meaning despising the wicked. And I guess that's an openly dis uh, despising the wicked. You have anything on 15 you'd like to do, Bill? Um, no, other than uh, I don't think it's so much. I mean, yes, it's a description of the perfect uh, of the perfect attitudes, but not necessarily of a perfect person. Um, I, I think these are achievable things for us as human beings, as imperfect human beings. Um, yeah. That's, uh, that's about uh, what I got out of it. Okay, good. Let's move on to Psalm 16. Why don't you begin with the title? Sure. The Lord, the psalmist's portion in life and deliverer in death. A mictum of David, probably intended to record memorable thoughts. And uh, mictum is another uh, one of those things that we don't know exactly what it means. Mm -hmm. But it could just mean a poem. It could. But we are going to have a considered prophetic message at the end of chapter Psalm 16. Let's see if I can give you a point here. The goodness is found only in God and in those who are his followers. So, goodness in us because we try to follow God. It's not as perfect as it is in God, but it's still there. And it's David starting off with a cry or a call. Protect me, God, for I take refuge in you. I said to the Lord, you are my God. I have nothing good besides you. David had a lot of good things, but he considered them nothing compared to the goodness of God because of his faith. And might we all do the same type of thing? And David wants everybody to have that kind of attitude for it. Where we get the reference to prophecy reference, is in verse 10. Yep. For you will not abandon me to Shoal. You will not allow your faithful one to see decay. May be a prophetic statement that we can reference, that we can find in Mark, the 16th chapter, verses 6 and 7. You want to get to that, or shall I flip over to uh, it? I can do it. The, uh, okay. Let me bring it up here right now. Mark 16, 6, and 7. 6 and 7. Yes. And he said to them, Do not be amazed. You are looking for Jesus the Nazarene who was crucified. He is risen. He is not here. See, here is the place where they laid him. But go, tell his disciples and Peter, He is going ahead of you to Galilee. You will see him there just as he told you. body did not decay it was on the rise the morning of easter and this uh, here in psalm 16 is indeed looked that way it can be a reference for that it may also just be the way david felt but we do know david died and was buried and therefore saw decay so it's certainly enjoyed as a prophetic message about 
David's future Lord and future grandson, Jesus. Uh, and Jesus did not suffer any decay. So it's great that we see these kinds of references and prophetic messages a thousand years before Jesus. We see something about his resurrection even here in Psalm 16. To which we all like to say, Amen. Amen, amen. Uh, let's see. I have an actual box on that. So let me try to read it here. The New Testament indicates that in uh, Psalm 16, 8 to 11, David is writing not about himself, but about the coming Messiah, Jesus. Thus, 1,000 years in advance, David announces the resurrection of Jesus, the Messiah. And the references were indeed the Mark 6, 16, uh, 6 and 7, but also Acts 2, 25 to 31, and out at verse thir chapter 13, verses uh, 35 to 37 uh, are references that can be fulfilled in that because Jesus didn't see decay. Okay. We still doing all right, Bill? Oh, yeah. So, sorry, I forgot my timeline. It's not even Tortilla. Okay, well, in that case, I'm going to be in trouble. Psalm 17 is a prayer for protection. Yes. David. Is, yeah, do you have any notes in particular on that? Uh, not until the second half. Okay. Uh, David is starting it off. Lord, hear a just cause. Pay attention to my cry. Listen to my prayer. From lips free of deceit. Uh, again, sometimes I wonder about some of David's uh, descriptive words, self-descriptive words. Uh, we know that he was capable of deceit because he tried it with uh, Bathsheba. And I don't have to say any more on that one. Uh, he tried but didn't succeed. <laughs> no, not on that one. Uh, he does ask God for vindication in the current situation uh, when he's asking for protection. Uh, you have tested my heart. You've examined me at night. You have tried me and found nothing evil. Wow. Uh, I hope that he was asking forgiveness before he said that. I know we should. Um, when we ask God to forgive us, he not only forgives us, but he forgets about those offenses. And as Psalm 103, which, of course, we will not get to tonight, uh, for several weeks, we won't. Uh, it says that God removes our transgressions as far as the east is from the west. And so David is here, you know, claiming that. Uh, and David in verse 8 is say, I call on you, God, because you will answer me. Listen closely to me hear what I say. We can take confidence from Jesus. Said anything that you ask in my name, I will hear and grant it, if we're asking rightly, of course, uh, that God does hear. And God does respond to our prayers, although it may not be on the time frame we want or with the answers we necessarily want. So we should always be very careful about how we ask. But David was asking for protection, and we can do that as well. We can ask God to protect us in our daily walks, special events, travel mercies as we go on vacation, etc. You can fill in the blanks. If we were in the Ukraine right now, of course, we would be asking for God's protection from uh, the active armies of Russia. And 
We have, they have the right to ask for that kind of protection from God, just like we do. And he will protect. And I believe still that he's going to give them victory, but I can't prove it yet. I certainly hope it will. But asking God for protection is necessary in our daily lives, even if it's just on our way driving to work. Which can be very and dangerous. Believe me, yeah. Back in the days when I was working in Philadelphia, I definitely asked for that kind of protection every day for getting back and forth. And while you were in Philadelphia. Yes. One of the murder capitals of the world. One of, yes. Not the city of brotherly love as it is named. But, uh, but yeah, there, there's all sorts of uh, uh, things that we can ask God for. And protection is definitely uh, one of the both for ourselves and for others, like the uh, like the people who've been captured by the Russians, who were the Americans who were over in Ukraine uh, fighting uh, for the Ukrainians. Yeah. Yeah, I'm. Not, I am not going to pass judgment on whether I think that was right of them or not. Not uh, uh, not really important in uh, whether or not you ask for protection. Yeah. So, you know, hopefully they will. Everything will come out well for them. Um, I know a couple of people have been uh, have been sent to death after they've been captured by the Russians. So we'll see if that will extend to Americans as well. Mm -hmm. David uh, in verse thirteen is saying, "Rise up, Lord, confront him, meaning the enemy, bring him down." With your sword, save me from the wicked. But he finishes off the last verse of the psalm saying, But I will see your face in righteousness. When I awake, I will be satisfied with your presence. How true that should be. If nothing else in our lives goes right, we can take hold of the Bible references that God is with us and he will never forsake us. He's here. We may not always feel it, but he's never going to leave us alone, no matter what's going on. Now, there is a poetic uh, origination here, or at least the first time it's ever written down. In verse 8, okay. Eat me as the apple of your eye literally translates to the daughter of the eye or the pupil. Huh. But, uh, but yeah, uh, whenever you hear somebody say you're the apple of my eye, this is where it came from. Hmm. I like it. It's not in my translation that way. It, it uh -huh. talks in protect me as the pupil of your eye, but nothing about apples <laughs> and hide me in the shadow of your wings uh you know if we put all the parts of of uh that are descriptors of god all together we would have one interesting figure to say the least True. he's got wings he's got uh, pupils in his eyes and hands and arms and some pretty big hands yep. but uh but yeah, even if it's the apple of the eye, sure. And no, it's not the apple referenced in Genesis. That, because it's yeah, not Genesis. referenced in Genesis. That's There's right. There's no it's apple not, in Genesis. It's, it's only a fruit. That's why I was saying it. Yeah. All right. But David enjoys the belief, and we should too, that we will see God's face in righteousness. And in the meantime, every time we awake, we should reference and give joy and glory to God that he is with us for the day that's in front of us. And at the end of the day, we should thank him for, for it the other direction as well. Just like, uh, just like Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego said when, uh, when they were uh, being faced with the fiery furnace, that even if the Lord doesn't defend us, doesn't protect us, will not abandon 
That's right. That is indeed the kind of faith we all should have. Yep. And Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego are the a, a very ultimate reference to Definitely that. Definitely the gold standard there. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there you go. All right, we're into Psalm 18 now. Yep. And it is one of the longer psalms. And it even has a longer intro. It says, prayer, praise for deliverance. So, Bill, you want to tell us what you have on that sure. one? Sure. Uh, to the chief musician, a psalm of David, the servant of the Lord, who spoke the words of this song to the Lord on the day when the Lord rescued him from the hand of all his enemies and from the hand of Saul. And he said... Isn't that a great way to start it? And he said, I love you, Lord, my strength. The Lord is my rock, my fortress, and my deliverer. My God may rock where I, no, my God, my rock, where I seek refuge, my shield and the horn of my salvation, my stronghold. I call to the Lord who is worthy of praise and I was saved from my enemies. Wow. What a great, strong point of recognizing God and literally giving him praise and thanking him. Again, everybody who's listening should self-reflect. Do you remember to thank God after he's done something very positive for you? And I don't mean waiting till much later and saying, oh yeah, God, thank you for doing that back when it needs to be immediate. Uh, yes, in the descriptor, we know that this is somewhere earlier in his reign because it's, it says it's uh, rescued from Saul. So it's probably done sometime during the seven years that David was ruling in the southern kingdom uh what would become the southern kingdom he was reigning in judah uh and he's just praising god and giving him the glory that needs to be what ha was happening uh bill do you have anything on the horn reference i do not um, you don't? Okay. No, uh, it, it just says, my shield and the horn of my salvation. Okay. Yeah. Um, I I imagine a horn like the like the ram's horn that you blow on it and make a noise. Yeah. But, uh, um, but the, the, shafar the shafar is the Hebrew word for it. But I have more than I want on a description here in front of me. So I was hoping you had something a little more exact. No, no. Uh, let's see. A bony protrusion on an animal's head like those belonging to the ram and goat. Uh, and the producer wants to go for the unicorn, but it's not going to happen, folks. Uh Point being is that the horn was considered as uh, a, announcing a powerful person. And horns were used to bring the people together. But here in this descriptor, there's even a reference that uh, the king is similarly identified as the horn of his people and denoting both his role as protector and his duty to uphold justice. And of course, in the New Testament, Jesus is a uh, reference to the horn of salvation. So we can't put up, you know, I can't give up on it totally. And there's more that I'm not going to worry about. But still, uh, I wanted to see if you had a shorter way of saying it. The earth shook and quaked, the foundations of the mountains trembled. They shook because he burned with anger. Smoke rose from his nostrils and consuming fire came from his mouth. Coals were set ablaze by it. <clears throat> okay, for a hot time, don't anger the Lord. Uh, 
But anyway, there it goes on for a total of 50 verses. And it is how much praise David is giving the Lord for saving him. So shall we go to Psalm 19? No. Because we're at time. All right, we will pick up at 19 next, next week. week. Yes, indeedly doodly. We got through quite a bit, I think. Yes. So. I think so, too. So, yeah. So, if you've come this far with us, gentle viewer, gentle inquisitor, perhaps you will come a little bit further and join us in this family we call Christianity. We do this not with sacrifice because that's already been taken care of once and for all. We don't use magical spells or mystical ceremonies because that's not how we roll. In fact, uh, the way we roll, it only takes a few simple words to uh, align your heart with God. And uh, that's what we are calling you to do tonight. Because whether you've been a believer for a second or a century, the Bible tells us that all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. And so... Uh, and so I ask you to follow along with us as we say the sinner's prayer together. And uh, that's it. So let's get going. <laughs> Dear Lord, I am a sinner. Cleanse me of my wickedness. Show me how to love you with all my heart, mind, soul, and strength. Show me how to love you with all my heart, mind, soul, and strength. And teach me how to love my neighbor as myself. Teach me how to love my neighbor as myself. Help uh, guide my steps along the path you would have me take. Continue guiding the steps in the path you would have me take. And help me to do the work you would have me do for the building of your kingdom. And help me to do the work you would have me do. For your kingdom. <laughs> uh, come into my heart and be the Lord and Savior of my life. Remain in my heart and continue to be my Lord and Savior. All these things we pray in Jesus' holy name. And all these things we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. And that's the beginning. You're off on your journey. Off and running, as Paul might say. Yay. <laughs> Yay. Yay, team. Yay, team. <laughs> Now, this isn't the only program we have during the course of the week. In fact, we are, well, expanding. Um, I have a very special episode, if not quite after midnight, coming on tomorrow. You'll be able to find that in the late afternoon. Uh, that'll be with a, another business coach by the name of Kenneth Lord. Um, we do kind of the same thing, but very much different ways. So uh, it'll be interesting to, uh, to see the differences. And then on Thursday night, uh, well, Thursday night's going to be kind of special, too, because this will mark my most well-known guest on Not Quite After Midnight, on the Thursday edition, Thursday evening edition. Um, I will be visited by uh, uh, Nicole Fanning, who is a, an author in the style of The Godfather. And my famous... Uh, guest will be DC Glenn of the uh, of the rap duo Tag Team, famous in the 1990s for a song called Whoop, There It Is. And uh, you may have heard uh, uh, them making fun of themselves in a uh, in a commercial not too long ago when they uh, were dishing out some ice cream and said, Scoop, there it is. But, uh, uh, but yeah, uh, so I'm really excited about uh, about that. Then on Saturday, which I'm also excited about, is uh, going to be uh, another episode of Anything Can Happen Saturday. And uh, we will be talking about, uh, let's see, I think it was John chapter 10. Let's see, John. That's yep, the right good there. shepherd. It's blurred again, so I can't say it. <laughs> but I think it was 10. And, I believe uh, it is, too. Yep, and so that'll be Saturday evening. And then uh, a week from tonight uh, will be another edition of YWL Online's Totally Approachable Bible Study for All, when we will be continuing our journey through the Book of Psalms. 
uh, with Psalm chapter 19, or Psalm number 19. Yep. So, because we're not calling them chapters. No. <laughs> although At I don't think, we're trying not to. Although we, I don't think we'll get punished if we slip up. <laughs> Probably not. And so, uh, with that, um, do you find gentlemen have anything to say to the nice people? Yes, uh, please. I've been, uh, I have a toothache, and I don't have insurance to fix it, so I've been taking uh, pain pills, and I'm hoping to get out of that because I want a sharp mind when I go to heaven. I love you all. Walk, walk, walk with the Lord. Amen. And God's blessing from Poplar Bluff, Missouri. God's blessings and good night from Santa Ana, California. Be safe out there. Remember to wash your hands and watch the ending credits if you uh, if you can, or listen to them as I read them to you. Good night. God bless. See you later. Love you. Happy birthday. <laughs> Thanks for watching. This has been a presentation of Bald Spot Productions. Yeah, I got to take that off. Um, yeah, my, produ my producer mother, I am your humble host as always. My father is my co-host. My Ed McMahon is Rudy Corlew. <laughs> if you feel so led, uh, go over to Patreon and support the show at Bald Spots Pro. Don't miss Not Quite After Midnight. You can find it on Facebook at Not Quite After Midnight and also on Spotify. Please like, comment, and share to stay informed and kick that algorithm into gear. And uh, once again, thank you for tuning in. Hope you've had a wonderful time. Good night, everybody. Love you all.